1: Electric cars are normal now. Most can go over 200 miles on a single charge, with many going up to 500 miles of range. And there are electric vehicle charging stations all across the country. Electric cars, they're normal
0: now. Learn more about electric cars at a National Drive Electric Week event near you this September 23rd through October 2nd. Find out more at driveelectricweek.org.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 134 of... So I'm talking to artist, singer, psychotherapist, Anne-Marie Kelly, who has written and directed a film called God-Given Opportunity, a short movie, and um, which will be up on Vimeo, and you can all watch it. Uh, we'll talk about what the film's about, and um, how she came up with the idea for it. Well, at the moment, I guess we're all in a weird kind of limbo-type place, don't you think, in the last few weeks, because... I thought when the news of all the vaccines coming out, there was a bit of an uplift and optimism, and we thought, well, it won't be long now, we'll all be back to normal. But then the figures went up, so we're on this kind of very long, extended lockdown, um, and the whole uh, feeling of optimism has kind of dropped. And it's a very strange time. I feel like I've been hibernating for the last four weeks. I haven't been going outside that much um i've been working away on different things but uh, i was doing running and then i banjaxed my achilles on my left ankle so i can't go out running i was going for the old dips in the water and uh you know what it got incredibly cold and i kind of go no and oh and i'm just haven't been doing it not that i'm you know missing it that much but i I do want to go back and do one um and then i'm sure i can go back and do more but it's the idea of doing the first one again after four weeks not doing it that's um putting me off but i've been working away on different things and you might have uh, heard that i released a single with the boy band Men to be yes i'm in a boy band Um, I'm the oldest member the youngest member is 40 but it's never too late is it but we've released a song called Be In My Bubble which is actually very relevant isn't it for all those people who are stuck with their family and their loved one is in a different bubble and you don't get to do naughty things with them so uh, here's a little clip of that song stumble. So you can find it on YouTube and on Spotify. And the band's called Men 2, the number 2, B. And that's part of a sketch, audio sketch show that I've been working on with the other members in the Dublin Comedy Improv and Antoinette Scherer. And it's called Do I See TV? Dick TV. If you want to put it that way, and that's on Spotify, so you can check that out as well. And just to, here's a here's a little clip of the kind of stuff that's on it. Have your cow's got leg rot or hairy belly crabs? Then use two two twenty hypertoxi jotermaxi two two twenty hypertoxi jotermaxi to stop the leg rot and kill the hairy belly crab stone dead. Two two twenty hypertoxi jotermaxi. It's great. <laughs> it was really nice having a chinwag, mate. I'll get the bill. Oh no, I forgot my wallet. It's okay, I'll get it. I'll never forget my wallet because I've got a walloo. A walloo? What's that? It's a wallet in a shoe. It's a shoe in a wallet. A walloo. If you've got your shoes, you've got your wallet. A walloo. Put your money in a shoe, put your fat in a wallet. A walloo. Never forget your wallet again. A walloo. I want in a shoe because no one goes out without the shoes. I want to believe. If you want to believe, get yours at com. Yeah, that's just a little clip of an ad or whatever, but there's lots of sketches and, uh... There's lots of sketches. I don't know why I said and, uh... There's lots of sketches. And a song, of course. The song, be in my bubbles on that as well. Um... But yeah, it's a very odd time. I mean, I've been, I've, I've, uh, applied for third level education. And it's not that I'm going back to college. It's that, uh, I'll be going to college for the first time ever. And I've put in my application with CAO. So I hope that works out. That next September I'll be, yeah, uh, in college. Not sure what I'll be studying yet because I've made, my choices but uh i might switch them around what well, i've thought of you know, media studies uh film and broadcasting studies but then i'm also writing and english literature and then philosophy and english literature i mean that's kind of what i was thinking first philosophy because i was reading uh, uh, this jordan peterson book and uh and then i went hey, i want to read more about Jung and Kant and uh, uh uh, the other ones you know Aristotle and all that and um, yeah but it's one yeah so uh, but then I, then I wrote, wrote back on that and went maybe I should do something practical not too practical I'm not going to be doing horticulture or uh, farming studies or plumbing I should do what I would love to do is how to fix a car have you ever thought that I've always wanted to I've thought why am I not practical a practical bloke so when my, something wrong with my car, I can do it. I can understand what's happening in that engine. I've always thought that, but I've never done anything about that. Uh, same, uh, uh you know, I thought, oh, I'd love to be able to build a house. I guess that's kind of a manly thing. I was just, I just want to be able to do everything. I want to be able to build my own house, fix my own car and, um, Grow all my own food and uh, hunt and provide, be a provider. But that takes a lot of time, and I wouldn't have time to do this podcast or do any creative things. So it, I prefer to do that. You know, I think than fixing a car, or building a house. But well, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I'd, I'd get into it if I really, really set my mind to it. Um but I'm I'm probably one of those people that goes, it's a car, it gets me from A to B. I don't even care what it looks like. I don't actually really care what it looks like or any things on it. I don't even know sometimes the name of my car, the make of it. In fact, I can't even remember what it is now. I've always been like that. Same with cameras. If I had a video camera or stills camera, I wouldn't... some will go, what kind of camera have you got? Oh god, I don't know, I don't know. It, it takes photographs. Uh, it's camera. Uh, stereos as well. Th- these are all things that I don't know people have anymore. <laughs> uh, but, um, like, what kind of stereo, what speakers have you got? Oh, I don't know, the black ones. Yeah. Uh, the sound comes out of them. Uh, I think that's the main thing with them. Uh, I don't know how many hertz it's got, or ohms, or I don't know what, at what velocity the sound comes out of it. But uh, it, it does come out, and I can hear it. Uh, yeah, I've never been one of those guys. I've never been one of those guys. I mean, when you go, remember when you go into buy, you know, when you go into buy a stereo or a laptop or something like that, and the guy just starts yapping about it, I just turn off. And I just go, yeah, can I can have the pink one, please. <laughs> Looks nice. <laughs> um, so that—that's that's me on uh, equipment and all that kind of. Uh, uh, this uh, Potteroni is part of the Headstuff network of podcasts, and there are many other great podcasts on the Headstuff website. And here's one of them: Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. <laughs> Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer, and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats so uh this is anne marie kelly and just rem- and just remember they have i have a a, a podcast out called dic tv with the dublin comedy improv people have a listen to it it's sketches audio sketches like you, like you used to hear on the radio but it's on a podcast and have a listen to the men to be be in my bubble song it's on youtube and on spotify okay here's anne marie kelly gathered from your bio you started off uh singing singer-songwriter in the arts anyway that's where you started it
0: yeah that was the, the first the first love and still the same i mean it's still what i keep coming back to was that something you did from when you left school yeah i would have been dabbling in writing stuff when i was in school and then when i was in college it kind of progressed. And then when I left college um, a couple of years after that, I got involved with my first kind of rock band. So that was called Smoked Oak. And we thought it was very funny because it sounded like you were saying something else, which was a bit dim. Now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we were together for a while and then we got we got sponsorship to do an album. And we did our album and then I got pregnant and everybody panicked and ran away. And uh, Spoke Dog took a break for about 20 years. <laughs> so it's, oh, okay. it's starting to, yeah, it's, but it is funny because now we've all done the having families and stuff. And now we have a bit more time and we're, we're starting to come back together again. So it's really nice. It's like coming full circle.
1: No, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, I'm kind of similar myself. My, my kids have grown up and are in college. Well, one's finished college, but um the other's in college. But I, I do feel that I'm being more creative now because I don't have to yes. pay for as much, as many
0: things. <laughs> yes. And you also ha- have kind of more sleep and your brain can function without getting continuously interrupted. You know, that, ma, ma, ma.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it too as well,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So where did you go to school? In
0: Dublin, was it? In Dublin, yeah, in Maryfield on the north side. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say the happiest day of my life was the day I left. I have never quite reached that level of euphoria since.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. So you didn't like school at all. Did you do yeah. any, any music or arts in school?
0: I did music up to what was the intercert then. Mm. And I did really well in music then. But our, our teacher was kind of, you know, excited at the few of us who'd done well. And I, I think it was more out of spite that I didn't do it then with him, which was stupid in hindsight but I well I don't know was it stupid because I think at the time like that would have been kind of late 80s and you know I had older siblings and I was watching them kind of work and themselves to the bone for you know the tax was so high then it wasn't a good time for you know kind of having a career that didn't kind of you know pay pay or you know have a a guaranteed kind of occupation at the end of it so i went into finance and accountancy then oh yeah yeah that wasn't really me either so it took it took a while to kind of get moving in the right direction but now now finally i'm in the right groove and so that's what you did when you went to
1: college it was yeah
0: i did accountancy yeah yeah Where? in uh mines rat mines college of commerce it was then and now it's actually funny enough it's it's back to being a music college so I was over there uh well it's a while ago obviously before the pandemic but I was doing a rehearsal with a jazz guitarist over there and I was right beside where I had studied accounting and the whole atmosphere in the place is so different as you can imagine so It was nice come back. So I was texting a few of my friends, saying, "You'll never guess where I am." Look, it's kind of different now, you know.
1: (laughs) That seems like a huge jump to go from accountancy to um, well, you went into music and acting, yeah. Yeah. So how did that? How did uh, how did you make that transition?
0: Well, it was. I I always felt when I was working in finance that I was wearing someone else's clothes. That it just was not me. And I remember one day I was with my my boss and we were working on this spreadsheet and you know was doing all these fancy things and he says, "God, this is better than sex," you know. And I thought, "No, it's not. This this is the wrong place. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not where I'm supposed to be." You know. And he really meant it. You know. It was like, "Yes." So I thought, "Okay, this is enough of this now." You know. So then I kind of I, I took a bit of time out then and then I had my my first son. He'd be he will be 20 now. So I think that was kind of the pivotal point for me. Then I had already I was already playing with the rock band on the side, but then I had to choose. OK, if I go back into finance now, I have to I have to let the music go. So I couldn't do that. So. So I started focusing more on music kind of from a commercial point of view and doing more jazz music and kind of playing in restaurants and wedding bands and stuff like that. So, And then it also meant that I could do that at night time and at the weekends and my other half could be here with with uh, himself, rearing him up. So and I got on board then. And uh, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's when the music kind of came more stream, more mainstream, rather.
1: Yeah, yeah, for you. And... Uh then you got into acting how did that come about
0: yeah the acting came about I I was found when I was when I was in the band I would be I, I would love to have just really kind of embodied the, the space you know that I had but I was quite nervous I really suffered with stage fright and I'd be you know crippled with anxiety before gigs you know so I got this opportunity through this this uh, wonderful woman, Heather. She was running these workshops for just playing what kind of music and sound. And I met uh, Lisa Michael, who was setting up um, Momentum Acting Studios. So it was very much a chance meeting, but we were chatting about kind of aspirations of what we want to do. And I was saying to her, you know, I'd love to just be able to be free on stage and she was oh and she's beautiful French accent she was oh mon ami you really you know and uh, then I gave it a shot and I couldn't believe like the freedom of like you're just you're laid so bare in the Miser acting that so what's it called again what's this uh, Meisner 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 yeah yeah Sanford Meisner developed it so it's all about being true in the moment so you know, if you're if you're acting for a particular role, you know, that the emotions you're producing are authentic. So and and that really sits with with me, with that, you know, that in the moment, whatever the truth of the moment is, that's what you're kind of giving to people. So after doing that, I kind of felt sort of I could do anything now it, w- without that fear of falling on your face, because you got up there and you fell on your face again and, again and again and again and again and again. So by the end of it, it was like, whatever, I don't care. If you don't like it, that's fine. You know? Right. It, you can take um, kind of any advice or any opinion or any criticism that it's it's not necessarily you. It's not personal. It's it's what's happening in the moment for you. And mm. it, you can just keep growing with it. You know, if you, if you start taking it kind of, Personal and you know in too deep, then I think it's it's not the place to be. But I I just loved the way when like you would be put opposite someone when the miser So like what you're saying there, the eye contact and you literally just fall into that person. And the two years are like the safety nets for each other. And you're all you, they're all you know. You're all they have, and they're all you have. And everything else kind of starts to slip away. And then if you hear somebody laughing, it's like oh you know we're, we're actually in the room with other people and you, know, you kind of forget you no. get so sucked into it yeah yeah it's sounds fantastic. amazing now how does that work though if
1: you've got a you know, you have to stick to a script if you're doing something for film or theater okay. yeah
0: but yeah
1: do stuff like hit your marks and turn your head you know not be in focus and stuff like that like
0: there's a lot of stuff going yes. on yeah. <laughs> can you can you I uh, yeah. Well I mean that's kind of that's further into the training I suppose. But this will be how they'd open the training with you would it will be kind of the starting point. It will be repetition exercises. So where you're opposite another person and you're literally kind of just getting into the whole being true in the moment. So so where someone would say to you, know, you're angry and you'd be like, I'm, I'm angry. <laughs> you know, you're obviously very angry, but you're trying to keep your composure and stuff like that. So you just... You just let it fly between the two of you, and all of a sudden, all these big expressions of emotion are coming out. It's 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 intoxicating stuff, really. You know, it, I must say I miss it now. It's a good while since I've been in between the pandemic, and then you know I was doing other stuff before. But I do. I, I really feel like, oh, let me back in. You know, give me go. You know. Well, um, yeah. did that lead you toward? I know you're you're a
1: psychotherapist, are you now?
0: Yes, yes, yeah. I've been working in psychotherapy now for a good few years, but um, it, it certainly enhanced the work in psychotherapy because while you're doing the opposite, like in psychotherapy, you're very much picking up on another person's emotions and what's kind of behind their mask, but you're holding the space for them. Mm. And you're very much aware, okay, anything coming in here, this is my stuff, park that and just be with them. But in the acting, you could, you're, you're fully embodying your response to the other person so it's it's kind of like the opposite side of it but it's great for kind of identifying um what's happening somebody maybe that's could go under the radar like different body very gentle body movements like you know like how much anger we'd hold in our jaw which can maybe manifest as a smile but it's not you know and you you wouldn't be going to somebody oh oh, hey like I, i i see you're angry there but it does give you the the kind of the insight to kind of say like well, well what, what's happening there you know when you're talking about that I just notice a bit of a twitch there or you know and give give kind of more stuff to explore so it really does add to the psychotherapy set of tools if you like yeah yeah so what do you what drew you to psychotherapy then did you study for that? Oh, I did. Yeah. But I I suppose like years ago when I'm talking about the stinging and the anxiety and that, that you know, that that was a particularly long journey before I I really mastered that and whatever had spurred that in the first place. Um, so, you know, that that would have been my journey. But then it would always have been with me that I, I just loved that personal development and seeing people grow as much as they could. And for myself growing as much as I could. And then I suppose like things really changed in 2006. I had my daughter and I nearly popped my clogs. So it kind of gave me that, okay, there's something you want to do now. You have to do it because, you know, you, you don't, you don't, you can't sit around waiting on the right time to do things. So the psychotherapy was something I wanted to do. So I went back and I studied that and I got my degree in that. And I've been working at that since really. And I would find that in the psychotherapy, this kind of top down, which you know how is how I'm thinking affecting uh, how I'm feeling, and then the bottom up, which is more what's going on inside me, what are, what's driving me, that's that's making me act in a, be- a certain way or make certain choices. So that would be kind of my natural gravitational pull. So what's kind of stored in the psyche from you know th- things that would have happened over the years that would have you know, those key developmental points in your life. So anxiety, stress, trauma, all those kind of deep things. Mm. They're, they're what I like to work with. But I find that it, it comes out in the art as well, because like the, the the two short films that I made myself, they're very much about, um, you know, real guttural feelings that kind of don't have... Uh, a place plays a role in the world, you know, that, that and the kind of disenfranchised grief, uh, things like that, that, you know, they're, on, they're only really revealed and uncovered if you're in a safe relationship with a therapist, you know, that, that you can fully get to explore them because I, th- I, I don't know if you got to see Mal, but that would have been a very private kind of grief that, you know, society doesn't support because it's ugly. We don't like that.
1: Okay, so well, okay, sure. Ma is, yeah. is about um, a mother of, well, it kind of reveals itself, but uh, you yeah. think it's about the mother of someone who's been murdered at the beginning, yeah. but then you, it's revealed that it's the mother of the murderer and that she feels as much grief, if not more.
0: Yeah, that was it. That that her grief was so like you see a lot, she's kind of behind the window and almost looking at the world that she no longer belongs in kind of the natural roles that people occupy because she is the mother of someone who looks, you know, like a normal person, but in that moment became this. You know the, this violent. I don't use the word monster because he's somebody who had had a flare too strong and ended up killing somebody. But she has to listen to you know, like is see little baby it's You know this this child she reared, and she's reared him, and this is what he's done. So what is her role in that? You know, like it questions everything for her. But in terms of grief. Like the grief of someone who loses someone, we go to the funeral, we support and we help them. But the grief of that—that's a grief that nobody knows how to go near. That
1: mm. it's so
0: so alone in in it, and that that's we, Like it, it's a, I think it's about only about eight minutes long, but I, I think we got that grief across the isolation of us and and the love that she still feels for him, you know, and how how does she reconcile all those complicated emotions and. You know, so so
1: Yeah, it's it's quite hard to you to think what it feels like to you've brought somebody into the world and then they've done something pretty horrific. Well, they've taken someone else's life. I don't know. I suppose you question yourself, what yeah. did I do? What did I do something wrong? Yeah,
0: yeah. Or what is Yeah. That? Well I think it it, it ran as... um ran an Iffy Film Festival and you know the way you kind of get these these kind of moments like as someone who made it I, we were sitting behind and there was a couple in front of us and when it finished she just turned to him. and she said imagine if that happened to whatever her son's name was you know mm. and you just you know like as a parent like you know all the hopes and aspirations and I, it, it was just like the the worst Fear, I think, of all fears, you know that, like you think, God, I hope nothing happens to them, but to think that they could be responsible for something happening to somebody else, oh, you know, it's a hard one to 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 contemplate. Yeah. yeah. And did that, were you inspired to write that from, from... Um... It came from, I remember one night, one of those late night shows, and I can't remember the one that it was, and I'm kind of glad of that because I can't remember whose specific story it was, but it, it was a, a mother of a, a man who had been murdered and she was talking about that, about going to the trial. And for her, like, if you've ever been at any of those criminal trials, people kind of take the same seats, you know, that you go in day after day and, you know, there's like a, an observance of, well, there are your seats and we're over there. And she used to sit in the same seat and she was going up day on day and hearing, you know, all these terrible things and kind of very much in her own grief. And then one day she, she saw the mother of the guy who'd done it. And, you know, I I don't know that, again, those unspoken Moments. what is that relationship like when you lock eyes with someone like that mm. like what words don't go there words like you can't speak that recognition and in her pain she you know was sharing that other woman and feeling this empathy towards her and also this rage because you know your son did this to mine but that mix that complicated mix of human emotions mm. and that was kind of something that we we had been working on um another piece for years and years and years, a really big piece, but that market's you know, you know, like it, it just won't leave you alone. And I just I really wanted to get my hands on on doing something with that and representing it and giving it that. I suppose giving a visual to to that lady's story, you know, um and in how I kind of took it from her. No, that's a. That's so, yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. It did it did it did very well for us as well. It got into a lot of film festivals and here and um it it got over in Canada as well in Toronto and it got best actor at Disappear Here Film Festival up in Donegal. It's a great, great little yeah. place and great festival. Yeah, yeah.
1: So so um, now you've got a new film, to- yeah,
0: yeah, that, yeah. That one it's uh, called God Given Opportunity, and it's in response to the papal visit in two thousand and eighteen, and the rally, the Standing Together for Truths rally that took place at the same time as the mass was going on in the Phoenix Park. So I, I, kind of, when when we went to the Standing Together for Truths rally, I kind of you know, you've, you've heard people's stories on, on TV programmes or radio programmes as to what happened them. And I thought that I kind of had an empathy for, you know, people who had been affected by the wrongdoings of the church. But there's a different thing, I suppose, when you're actually standing in a crowd of people and you can feel everything coming off and that you're actually not... not ever saying that I could feel the pain or share the pain. But you've you felt your observer position in a different way um, and it really, really bothered me that that rally. I mean, I remember myself and my husband were standing there, and, you know, you just you just couldn't help but being moved to tears and then walk down to the the mother and baby home. And it just it just was awful. Mm. And like kind of what what to do with all that. Uh, energy and God given opportunity then came out of that, and I I suppose, if, you know, you know, everyone talks about you know that that was the nature of the time, that was the way the time was, and I suppose there is a truth in that 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 as a society we were very sheltered, but my memory of that was. Like we, we grew up in the church, you know, we loved it. We went to all the garden faiths and, you know, the bring and buy sales, and we were safe. We felt really safe, and we had, you know, great friendships with priests, and, you know, but we had not, we didn't know that this was going on in the background. And then, then you're going, did we, did, did we kind of know? Maybe a little bit, but but I, I think there were people who had, had never even heard. I couldn't even grasp the, the idea of of sexual abuse. Like, how, how could that be true? No, no one would do that. When the the paper mass was on, then in like in 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 the seventies, like we were small. I remember, we went to that, and like I can remember the the hype. All the buses in Dublin, every bus was going to the Phoenix Park. I mean, it, it was amazing. The excitement. It was like a rock gig. And we all we all went to it, of course, and delighted with ourselves. But then when when Colm O'Gorman was talking at the standing together for truth, when he talked about that, it just got that whole experience and just put it through a mangle. It mm-hmm. just was awful because his story of, you know, how that John Paul would have known, you know, what was going on and, you know, that that real defining moment of, you know, when he said the young people of Ireland, I love you. And everyone went mad, you know, and that that that, that wasn't true. You know, it wasn't authentic. Yeah. Um, and hearing hearing them talk about that and uh, at the Stand getting for Truth and then, of course, all the stories and then all the people who weren't there, all the suicides and overdoses and, you know, escapisms that people who had experienced these things had to bring into their lives to cope with the legacy that they've been given. Yeah. And then in the therapy work, I had come into contact, obviously, with a lot of people who, as their stories would unfold, would have this trauma in, in their, their growth experience of somebody getting in and you know getting into their psyche where they had no right to be Mm. so all of that then came out in god-given opportunity and what i wanted to get back to was the essence of the story so it's done in a very kind of fable-like way you're not really sure of the time and it's just two men meeting and one of them has this ideology this aspiration to build this beautiful thing and he but it also in his character, he brings in that arrogance too of, you know, I'm making this beautiful thing and this assumption that everybody else is going to be like this. And then we see the the other character coming along who's going to break it all. But I wanted him to look like a normal human being, you know, like you don't know. There isn't any scary music playing when he arrives. He arrives and he is a normal person with a conscience who makes a vile choice. Mm. So, I th- I think I think we we certainly did it to the best of our ability within you know the budget we had, which was zero, and uh, we 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 got it. You know it it's it's a it's a film that I'm really really happy with because the people who came on board they're all really sensitive, good people, and you know really skilled in their craft, but also really got the, the nature of the story that we were trying to tell and the sensitivity that it had to be told with. So I I think I think we did do it justice. I hope we did. I hope we did. Yeah, really because um, yeah, it does take a back to it's just the basic points. You know, it's about love. It's about good and evil. and and, and choices
1: the rest of that you should say uh, you know like the church for example uh say from the beginning say like the one character is like a jesus type character yeah church right yeah um but isn't there a responsibility of of this jesus type character to not be completely trusting and open of anybody to do you know yeah. what I mean? Like let anybody yeah. into the church. Yeah. Without yeah. even, do you know, being a little bit wary of a stranger. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. And that's that that that's it. Like you hit the nail on the head that he's just like, Great, another person's come along to join me, you know. And he his it's it's naivety to a degree, but it is also arrogance. It's this um mm-hmm. yeah, arrogance really. And and you know, that that he makes this this place. And as you say, he invites this guy in, but also like uh, as you know, uh, the questions that it provokes. I and I hope it does provoke the questions in 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 people. Like I said, why didn't he break the door? Like the door is like, it's like a cloth, nearly. It's so weak, but he didn't. He just right. ran around, you know, like a like an Egypt shouting, but not doing anything. That it right. could have, it could have been nipped in the bud, but he 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 didn't. It was, and then. Where are the kids gone? They're gone. They're they're inconsequential to the story. They don't even matter until right. they come back at the very end of it, and you see them there at the end. But it's yeah. it's it's all about kind of his dream for this place, that yeah. and and I suppose maybe you know his legacy or whatever. But that it's really about the two of them. And, right? And, yeah. You
1: know. I mean, do you not think that the what's happened with the church? Are we? I, you know, I think it was similar with the Republican Party at the minute in America, is that they are more <laughs> interested. I'm
0: not going there. No, <laughs> but <laughs> I
1: mean, they're more interested in power than in yes. actually, they want to cover up any. Yeah. Like, you can see with the Republican I'd say it's very similar to the Republican Party. They uh, think <laughs> they have their ideals, but they get it's like they'll go with a Trump who's totally would yeah. be. There's a load of very fundamentalists who backed Trump. Who's yes. the most unreligious man you could think of?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Then, but they uh, they ignore that to uh, get power, and yeah. I think it's similar with the church, the Catholic Church.
0: Yes, I think I think it's, I I think it's probably similar for a lot of careers. You know that that power and that you know. Life is short, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do what I can in my time, but I'm not taking this on because it's it's too, you know, I'll, I'll be gone before that can be fixed. Mm. And I do think, you know, there's a lot of and particularly maybe in, you know, the more people who come on board and then a culture is established that, you know, oh, this is kind of acceptable to behave in a certain way. Like, I suppose, with Trump, not that I could talk about that man ever. Mm. But, you know, that, you know, if people around you fawn enough. That you get away with certain things, and then it becomes kind of the norm. Like I, I suppose, and I, I, I could end up going off in the, all the Hollywood things. But you know, the things are allowed because yeah. you are you are you when you are elevated and you are above. So yeah. you know, and I, I do. I've
1: been in situations before uh, where I've seen people that I know do things, and I go, and I go, and I thought well, oh, maybe that's what people do these days, do you know what I mean? And you go, yes. and then uh, later on, you go, I should have stepped in there and said, that's not, that's not on. Do you that's know not mean?
0: okay. It's yeah. really
1: weird when you're in a situation, you doubt yourself.
0: Yes, yeah. And I suppose to, get, to, to bring in the film on that, that's what I wanted to hit on with um, Jamie's character being like a normal guy, that I think we're almost conditioned from looking at film, that, you know, when something bad happens, a bell will go off and it will be this is a bad moment. This is a bad person and you'll have no gray area. So you'll know, OK, I really should step in here and you will. And you'll do the right thing. And it's very kind of black and white. But I suppose it's not like that. Like you can walk into a room and see something on a beautiful summer's day and you can go, oh, damn, that's off, mm. you know, and it takes a while for it to depending to drop that because the circumstances of how it has come to be—you haven't seen them before, you know. Yeah. It's 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 not it's not clear. So, and even yeah.
1: the, the victims of abuse would often say they weren't sure if this was right or not. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They almost convinced themselves that that this is normal.
0: That this is normal. Yeah, and and I suppose maybe when you're young, you're learning what is normal from the the people who are teaching you. Mm. so uh, everything else has been kind of normal up to this and if every as you you say if if um you know is this the way it's done now you know that
1: yeah
0: you just yeah yeah I I I, I don't know I'm kind of I'm I'm hoping that you know people who have been abused will will find a kind of a, a tool in this Mm. That enables getting that message across, because what I really the, the the demographic that I really wanted to hit was the people who are saying, oh, you know, that's that's over now. So, you know, hold on a second here. You know, if you keep if you keep supporting this, this is what you're supporting. Mm. You know that, that it's not OK to just say, oh, well, you know, it, it's over. It's not over. You know, yeah. it, it's never over. Like, you know, um, we need to keep it. Yeah, and I suppose to to kind of make people think, well, what well, what if it had been me? What if it had been you know my grandchild, or you know to to put to, to put those shoes on and, and see what it felt like to stand for a little while. So I'm hoping that people who watch it feel really uncomfortable in the chair while they're watching. So,
1: yeah, do you think no. that there is something good in the church as well?
0: Oh, absolutely! i well, I I I think there are good people in the church, and certainly I have given this film to to some of the clergy that I know, and it's got a firm, you know, go for it. Um, yeah. I think there are people who will maybe change the system from within, and um, hats off to them. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I I find when I go to um kind of like big religious services. Well, for one, like if when, when my son was making his communion, he came in and he said to me, oh, all the boys in the class want to be priests. And I said, "And well, what about the girls in the class? He said, oh, well, girls can't be priests. And I thought, I don't believe this. I have managed to bring him up to be you know, a complete, you know, scene equality ever, and then his first real introduction to religion, he comes home a sexist, you know. So, right, yeah. so and then like like my daughter, I feel kind of I can I don't I don't think it's right bringing her into a place where she's not esteemed as much as yeah. you know her brother is. I I just I think no, I think I think you can give them good values and just treat people the way you'd want to be treated yourself um i don't but as, as regards organized religion no i think when things become bureaucratic and people have careers that going, going back to that the power thing that it, can't, it corrupts it has to be kept simple it has to be kept between you and whatever you perceive your god or your your next life or whatever. I don't know. don't don't fancy coming back to this one and having to do it all again. I'm a bit tired. <laughs> I'd right. like maybe to be a dog or oh, yeah. <laughs> or a bird. I'd like I'd like to be a bird. Everyone yeah. that they don't shoot at, you know, Oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. one that
1: yeah. can't yeah. be eaten
0: <laughs> or eaten. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not a turkey or anything like that. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great piece of work. I'd love loads of people to see it, and where where can they see it then?
0: Well, they can see it. Um, it's on Vimeo, and it's moment. Um, yeah, and then it it's there. It's uh, it'll be under my name, I'm Marie Kelly on Vimeo. God given opportunity. Yeah, God given opportunities. Oh. opportunity. So, um, in time, I'll I'll probably put it on other platforms as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. See someone
1: out there just doing it making it and it's a great film with a really powerful message and so I advise everyone to watch it
0: thank Uh, you very much
1: (laughs) Uh, it's been great chatting anyway so uh, really enjoyed chatting to you
0: thanks a lot take care of yourself bye 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 bye
1: Um yeah, and uh it's so watch the film. It's God Given Opportunity, it'll be on Vimeo and you'll find it there under Anne Marie Kelly and the name God Given Opportunity, of course. Um at the moment that's all that's where it is. Um and hopefully it'll be on different platforms, as she said. Uh good film, worth watching, worth you know, thinking about this. Um it, it makes you think that the whole it's, uh, it's important to remember what happened in the church and not to brush it over. I don't know, some people just like to brush over things like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether people want to brush over things like that because they fear that it uh, makes their faith unstable or, um, you know, that they feel that they, they, they can't Imagine that such evil happened in the church where they worship. But, uh, to try and gloss over these kind of things is not a, it, it just means that it will happen again. Uh, and it's kind of similar to what's happening, I think, in America where they want to, the Republican party want to gloss over what Trump has done. They've, they've wanted to do that over and over and over and over again, but if, if they don't, they don't, look at it and see it for what it is it'll happen again and again so we have to face up to the evils of the world to conquer them okay that's it talk to you soon bye bye